Welcome to For 10 Points, the best podcast on the web for everything Quiz Bowl related. Whether you are a player, a coach, or just trying to improve, we can help you get better. I'm your host, Ken Romeo, and with me, as always, is my co-coach, Andrew Turiago. Mr. T, how are you doing today? Doing very well, Ken. Everything is nice and sunny outside. Uh, it's spring, uh, so you know what that means, Ken. Uh, it's time for Quiz Bowl. Always time for quiz. Well, wasn't that on the on the shirts that they were selling at, at MSNCT? Oh, I think the, you could the, get those customized. You the, have to say whatever you want. The, so. the season never ends because oh. it really doesn't. Uh, you know, we've we're coming off of MSNCT. High school players are preparing for HSNCT uh, this coming weekend, and then there's Pace Nationals. There's the U.S. Academic Bee and Bowl, and then there's everything you're doing over the summer. So you're right; it never ever ends for players that want to win. That is. Right. Uh, so speaking of players that want to win, uh, later on in this episode, we are going to have the absolute privilege of talking with uh, the coach of one of the, the best programs in the country this year. We're going to be talking to Coach Jane Haithcock from Liberty Middle School. And she has a lot of great secrets, Ken, uh, that uh, I think any program could adapt. Uh, or if uh, if you had a particularly persuasive uh, coach to your program, maybe you could get your your principal or your superintendent to adopt some school wide programs, school wide right. uh, school wide policies that might help your team. So Liberty finished fourth at MSNCT this past year. Uh, so we'll get a chance to talk with her about her run and everything that her team does. But I, I want to start today by talking about something that I, I saw on the HS Quiz Bowl. Was course. it vulching, Ken? Yes, it was vulching, Andrew. That was beautiful timing. Uh, you know. The, the most important thing about comedy, right? Ask me, what's the mo- most important thing about comedy? It's timing. Ah, uh, all right, all right. <clears throat> Love the uh, joke. So, Volchin, Ken, um, it, it's, a, it's a phrase that's, that's uh, unique to Quiz Bowl. It's just one of the pieces of lingo or pieces of uh, vocabulary that players use. And it's when one player, um, uh, the question's being read, and one player or, or multiple players, obviously, uh, have an idea of an answer. And as the question's almost finished um one of the things that we train the players to do is kind of wait to the end of the question get as much information as they can and a player will just buzz in and kind of cut off their teammates for right. various it's, reasons. it's important to note that the that the other team has already rang in with a wrong answer we obviously want them to ring in as soon mm-hmm. as possible as soon as they know it but if team a rings in with a wrong answer right we train our players wait to the end of the question uh, and then and then ring in and there are various strategies we use we'll talk about that you can read in the forum as well the 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 name of the thread is just called vulching. Um, but and we'll, the name itself comes from, I think, vulture. Right. Like so you're a vulture. You're, you're circling around the question. You're, maybe your teammates were in the middle of, they were about to eat that, and you just swoop in and yep, grab that, it right that out. That delicious carry-on that's, uh, yeah, that's about to those, go dead. For those points per game. That's what it's about. Right. So uh, so I saw this in the forum, and you know the, the person who, who brought it up uh, is named... Uh, Mike Chine, forgive me if I'm not pronouncing that correctly, but um, uh, f- former, formerly of the University of Minnesota, and there are a couple of other people that uh, who I know and respect who chimed in as well. Uh, John Pinion from uh, Bergen Academies, Patrick Matthews, who if you were listening to our last episode, you heard uh, we had Patrick on. Um, and I, I was thinking about crafting a response, and you know that's writing, and I don't know about you, Mr. T, but I hate writing. <laughs> So I figured, well, this is a good enough forum for us to to talk about um, to talk about vulching. So, uh, so, uh, so again, Team A rings in with a wrong answer. The question is then going to be read in its entirety for for Team B. You know, we'll pick up from a point in the question that's that's natural, and we'll read 
the rest of it for Team B. And, you know, as I was new to the rules of NAQT, it became very apparent the obvious thing to do is just wait until the end of the question. The reasoning is for NAQT rules where bonuses don't bounce back, controlling that bonus is the most important thing you need to do in a game. Toss-up points are great, but the real advantage of answering the toss-up is being able to answer the three-part bonus. 30 points. Absolutely. And even if you only get 10 of those points, those are 30 points that the other team didn't get. Mm -hmm. So controlling bonuses were really the most important thing you need to do in an NAQT game. Yeah, Ken, if you you get every toss-up, the other team can't win. Precisely. And I, without having statistics in front of me, I would venture to say the team that answers the most toss-ups usually goes on to win, I'd say, um, a <clears throat> pretty high percentage of the time. And uh, so even if they're, if, they, if they're being outscored on the bonus, the fact that they're controlling more bonuses is what's important. So it was a very clear strategy that, that Middlesex enacted early on. You wait until the end of the question. So it, we had to come up with a couple of strategies. And, and one of the ones that we decided was if you were sitting there, the other team answered it and it's wrong and you're sitting there and you know it, how do you let your teammates know that you know it without conferring? Uh, Ken, I have, a, I have an idea. I could just say, ooh, ooh, I know this one. I, Guys, don't ring in. Because I'm pretty sure the answer is Jefferson, so don't say anything. I'll ring in and say Jefferson. Um, so obviously, Why can't I do that, Ken? So you don't want to confer. So we had our players indicate to each other they know the answer by holding their buzzer up. And it's kind of funny when you have these box buzzers, the Anderson buzzers, which are my favorite, by the way. These Anderson buzzers where all of the boxes are connected in series. When one kid gets really excited that he knows it, he holds his buzzer way up, and the buzzers just go flying out of other people's hands. But you know, for the most part, they're calm. They hold their buzzer up, and they're letting their teammates know that I know the answer. And what I told players is, let's say, Andrew, you're sitting there. You know it. I know it. We both hold our buzzer up. As soon as the question's over, go ahead. Have a little race amongst yourselves, and whoever knows it, ring in, get an answer. Almost Jeopardy style, as soon as the question's finished. Being yes, right. and, you know, shoot your teammate like the evil eye, like, oh, I was going to get that. But it doesn't matter. We get the toss-up right. We go on to the bonus. That's just, you know, friendly little games you play amongst your teams. Um, and you know the posts that on HS Quizball forum mentions that you know some players just don't have the discipline to do that. And I gotta say, as a coach, you gotta snap that out of them. Mm-hmm. You know, you you can't let your if you have a rule and a kid isn't following the rule. I mean, you you have to you, as a coach, you have to deal with that. Yep. You know, pull them out, pull them aside, and say this is our strategy. And if you're not going to play the way we ask you to play. You're not going to play. Mm-hmm. So Ken almost called a softball call, softball pitch there. I could see him going back to old, old sports coaching. It's like you're, you're thinking right. about all kinds of things. Oh, though. yeah. When I, when I tell the catcher, like, hey, I want a fastball six inches outside, don't call for a changeup or, you know, don't call for anything that's, that's inside or anything like that. You know, there's, there's reasons why we tell you these things. And if you're not going to, listen to what we're telling you to do, then I'll find somebody who does. Okay. So I think one of the, the things that's kind of unsaid up to this point is that one of the motivations for players to Volch, besides just getting to show off, getting to say the right thing, which is always a, a great feeling, um, besides getting to hit the button, which a lot of players do, especially in sixth grade, uh, they enjoy hitting the button. Um, it's points per game. Like uh, your your statistics, your stats that NAQT tracks seem to be a 
uh, something that's coming up in this conversation. And and I, I get that. As, as a baseball fan growing up, numbers really mean a lot to me. Uh, as a math guy, numbers mean a lot to me. And I understand that, you know, you do compare statistics with teammates. But at the highest level, and in games that, that, are, that are really important, so even if it's not nationals, if you're playing in a regional tournament and it's the semifinals, you have to be able to put that aside. You have to you have to know that that winning a match means more than you averaging 60, 70, 80 points per game. And again, if it doesn't, it's on the coach to to pull that kid aside. And, and, it, and if it really doesn't, you could play by yourself and average 80 or 90 points a game pretty easily well, uh, and I, lose. I, I'll tell you, we I'm not saying we've never had any kid play by themselves for Middlesex. We've only had that when only one kid's gone to a tournament, but I would mm-hmm. never let a kid play by himself in a tournament as I, I think that's just completely sending the, the wrong message. You know, we, we are a team. Uh, a sport isn't the right word, but we are a team game. Um, and just because it can be dominated by individuals doesn't mean that that's what I as a coach want to promote. Mm-hmm. In I, a think, program. I think those players that maybe are, are you know, sixth grade or seventh grade phenoms and they're they're playing by themselves that what what ken's saying is is you're there's so much space for you to improve your your game and improve your uh your enjoyment of the the game of quiz bowl uh through finding teammates that we we as a program just wouldn't think of of sending one player no matter how good they were so i i mean obviously when sixth graders come in and they're new to the program this is one of the things we teach them, and we try to reinforce it in practice. But eventually, it gets to a point where if they just keep doing it, uh, one thing I've done is when we're keeping track of statistics in practice is if they vulture on a question, I only award nine points. Mm-hmm. And nine points is fairly useless in Quiz Bowl uh, when and everything is pretty much in increments of 10. So, so I've done that before. <clears throat> um, but you know, the, other, the other thing that, that comes up is, okay, if the toss-up goes all the way through to the end and no one's holding their buzzer up, what do you do then? Well, there's no reason not to guess. If the other team's already wrong, there's no reason not to guess. And so that is something that I've I've asked some of the more senior members of the group, say, I just need to ring and guess something. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite things, Ken, is when the, um, the sixth graders start to figure out how to be better guessers um, and their guesses go from being maybe they seen an older player say something like Smith, maybe they uh, guess a country. I hate that. I hate that. Just uh, Smith. Everything Smith. Yeah. Okay. It, it was. It might have been funny the first time I heard it, but this is year number you know nine or ten. It's not funny anymore. That's true. Uh, having a really targeted guess, I think, is a something that picks up a, a not insignificant number of points. If if it says something about a Spanish paint, painter and you said Goya. Or you said Picasso, even if you just were totally unsure, that gives you a, a world of difference from saying Smith. Right. Name this state. Who? Blah blah blah. You got a one in fifty chance. Probably one in forty nine if the other team already rang in with a wrong answer. Mm-hmm. So another thing that was addressed in the forums was, you know, people holding their buzzer up, and sometimes they do that when they're not quite sure. And again, that's something else that you you try to coach out of them. Like raising your buzzer is a really, really important gesture that you are communicating with your teammates. And it's very important to communicate true, rightful, useful information to your teammates when you're not allowed to confer. So uh, if, if that's happening on your team, you know, 
you as a coach or you as a player need to talk to that player or the coach and say, we, we really need to work on our communication because I know an answer, but I'm, I might hesitate if someone who I think is a better player is holding their buzzer up too. And then they really don't have a guess. Absolutely. This is, this is about, um, a lot of the, the repetition of skills of quiz bowl. I think I remember seeing some teams that are brand new. We might have like a, a Middlesex E or Middlesex G at a tournament and they see the other team, uh, do this for the very first time where they hold up their buzzers and the other players don't buzz because the one player knows it. And they kind of have this moment of like, uh, oh, that's how that works. You're allowed to do that. Yeah. So so just remember, uh, you know, the, the saying practice makes perfect. That's not exactly true. One of the coaches here in Darien, uh, Tom O'Donnell, who's coaches multiple sports and um, is a good friend of mine. His saying is practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes permanent. And the more you practice communicating the right way and playing the right way, the more permanent that becomes. I will say, though, and uh, this was the last comment that was made. This was uh, Patrick Matthews who said, you should also tune your strategy to the rules that you're playing. More specifically, if the format you're using has timed rounds, that'll impact your strategy. Absolutely. If you need to race through the clock to get through uh, more toss-ups, sure. The, The other difference that we distinguish is playing NAQT rounds versus the uh, U.S. Academic Bowl. So for those of you that aren't familiar with the U.S. Academic Bowl, and I feel like we've talked a lot about NAQT and NAQT tournaments, and we haven't given enough love to U.S. Academic Bowl. That's David Madden's um, competition run by uh, uh, IAC. Um, So they have toss-up bonus pyramidal questions just like NAQT, but there are no negs, first of all. Powers are worth 20 as opposed to 10, and bonuses bounce back. So those last two things, the powers being worth 20 as opposed to 10, and the fact that bonuses bounce back, in my mind, causes a change of strategy. So I've told the kids, as soon as you know it, ring in. Don't guess, but if the other team got it wrong, as soon as you know it, ring in, because you might be powering, and a 20 is significant compared to the 15 mm-hmm. that NAQT offers. And controlling the bonus is not the absolute bottom line advantage that it is in NAQT. Because they bounce back. Right. So we could hear a bonus. We might not get any of them, and it goes to the other team. Same for the other side. If they don't get any of them, they can all bounce back to us. So so that is the one case where I said, yes, ring in when you know it, vulch, whatever you have to do, um, because we're just looking to pick up as many points as possible. So, Ken, when I think about vulching, I always think of the, the flip side of vulching, which is uh, a sixth grader or seventh grader that uh, even though they know things, they they have a lot of actual content knowledge. They're not confident about themselves enough to ring in and uh, and say that answer out loud. So uh, if, if vulching is one half of the problem, one side of the coin, I think this kind of uh, overcoming this buzzer shyness is the, the other side of the coin. Yeah, and I think in our first episode, we talked about what we did with uh, Rhea Krishnan, where we recognized somebody who whose brain was just filled with 
an incredible amount of knowledge and who ended up knowing so many more answers than she ever rang in and gave that we decided um, that we were just going to sit down one-on-one. I would sit down with her one-on-one and read questions that were in her subject areas. Her two subjects, her two big subjects were geography and science. And I would just ask them and, and I'd say, you have to ring in. You have to ring in and give an answer. Um, whether you think you know it or not, you have to ring in and give an answer. And uh, she, more often than not, would ring in with a correct answer. And, and I think that helped build her confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the other thing you can do is, is celebrate any negs that a player like that gets, whether it's in practice or in a game, and just, just say, I, it was fantastic you negged two questions in a row. Like, you mm-hmm. know, that you weren't discouraged by the first one to try again on the second one. Um, you know, Rhea ended up negging one of the last questions in, in the 2016 uh, finals at MSNCT, but, you know, at that point she had already answered so many that um, it just was another question. It, it wasn't it wasn't a big deal at that point. Yeah, I definitely think this is something that if you're looking to make your team more competitive, whether you're obviously a player or a coach, uh, getting your players to feel comfortable ringing in and get things wrong uh, is a really big uh, paradigm shift because I think one of the things that can attract kids to quiz bowl is that they enjoy being right and they enjoy being right faster than other people and being awarded points for being right. Who wouldn't want that? But a big part of quiz bowl is, uh, the, the moment where, uh, a player tries anyway and fails and says, all right, next toss up. So, you know, as a coach, you want to provide balance. You want the teams to be aggressive, but you want them to play smart. And, um, so yeah, we want them ringing in when they know things, but but if it's after the first team gets it wrong, no, we we wait until the end of the question. Be disciplined. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if there is a if there's a basketball player that's shy about shooting, you want them to take shots. But after a while, you know, like no, you got to learn how to pass too. You have mm-hmm. to understand that that we're trying to bleed the clock. You don't just hoist up a three. We're, we're trying to let the clock run out a little bit. You know, we don't we we don't want outside shots. We want you to drive through the lane, maybe draw a foul or something like that. So so there there are strategies that work within the framework of NAQT that we want you to follow. And if you can't follow them, I want you to sit and watch somebody who does. Definitely. Um, the other thing I would say is that uh, I think the the most painful thing I hear a quizable player say is always i knew that and i didn't ring in could you just talk a little bit about that ken oh yeah uh anytime we were playing a match and we're down to the last question or last two questions and and i know we need them in order to win i i go and i tell the kids i would much rather have you ring in with a wrong answer than to hold on to a wrong wrong answer and watch them ring in and win Mm -hmm. um be aggressive always yeah. always always be aggressive. I, I love those players that just have ice in their veins on the 23rd toss-up or the even if it's the 20th toss-up with one minute left on the clock and they just so nonchalantly are like yugoslavia and that just happens to be right like uh, uh when i think of a player like that i think of evan o'rourke who he would just shoot these half court threes at like total buzzer beaters um and it was always with a shrug 
Well, it takes it takes Moxie, and that was the name of the girl who answered the last question of MSNCT yeah, this year. So. so joining us on the phone right now, uh, all the way from Alabama, is Coach Jane Haithcock uh, from Liberty Middle School. If you were at MSNCT and you had the privilege of watching Liberty Middle School play, you saw some darn good quiz bowl being played and some really smart kids. Coach, it's uh, Andrew Triago and Ken Romeo in Connecticut. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. How are you? Uh, we're, we're very good. So, uh, so first of all, congratulations on an incredibly exce- uh, successful tournament. Um, tell me, how, how do you feel? Um, we feel ecstatic. We're still riding really nice and high off of our finish. Uh, we finished better than we expected, and it was it was really good and really fun. Uh, the kids were really looking forward to having a real challenge, and they had it, and they they just really enjoyed every aspect of it, even every loss, you know. And right. they just had a great. There, there time. were too many of those. Uh, so there it, too many. Yeah. it's it's interesting that you said you weren't expecting it, and I'm sure you expected to do well, but. But I, yes. I'll say, as someone who tries to stay on top of the goings-ons in the, in the middle school circuit, um, in, in my mind, yeah, you guys came out of nowhere. Now, obviously, the people in Alabama, your students, you guys knew you were primed for for a deep run. But let me just read you a couple of quotations here. Um, so this was from Joshua Rutsky, who I'm sure you're familiar with. And Love him. right for those of you who don't know, he's I don't know, Mister Alabama Quiz Bowl. Is that? Oh, is it? I okay. call him that myself. Yes. So okay, so he says it was a remarkable performance, but what really makes it important is what it says about the nature of this game that a group of students who are willing to put in the time and effort and work together can achieve at the highest levels, and anyone who dares dismiss them because of who they are or where they're from is a fool. Um, yeah. And then uh, Slade yeah. Gilmer from Russellville High School in Northern Alabama University said this year's Liberty team was incredibly impressive i knew they were good coming in they seemed especially strong on history with strong lit and science specialists as well as um based on the games that i got to see truly a balanced team uh so that was yeah. uh, that was chandler west from auburn and then uh, slade gilmer actually said liberty is the best middle school team i've ever personally seen um that that just must be amazing so um your, your kids i'm sure are still on cloud nine they're still on cloud nine and i'm glad they deserve it you know so, so one of the things that I, I think you know Josh alluded to here, and what I said before, people dismissing you because of where you're from. I, I think Alabama might be a little isolated from the rest of the the Quiz Bowl community. So, can you just tell me a little bit about what Alabama Quiz Bowl is like? So, Alabama Quiz Bowl, you know, this is probably what my tenth or eleventh year coaching our Quiz Bowl team, and. For at least, I would say, probably the last at least seven years, we've had a fairly good quiz bowl program. It took me a couple years to get get it really on its feet and going. Um, and I will also say that with the help of Mr. Sharath Narayan, he was one of my quiz bowl students when he was in seventh and eighth grade. And he kept it going <clears throat> at James Clemens. He went on to win Teen Tournament Jeopardy. Nice. But with us oh, that's together, that's really cool. I love it when it, yeah. the Teen Tournament. I I rush to go see who played Quiz Bowl, and and that gets yeah. me some rooting yeah. interests. One hundred percent. He's a phenomenal human being, and honestly, with him, uh, I was able to create a really strong program that would get most kids. Like I said, we generally have state finishes. Uh, 
been second or third. We've never won first until this year, but, you know, we're a pretty solid team. Um, and there are certain areas in Alabama that, you know, generally have always strong finishes. Um, and that's like the Birmingham, Birmingham area, and that's with Hoover, as the high school men, like Pizzitz right. and Bumpus, you know, as far as the middle schools. Our area, northern Alabama and south Alabama with like the schools that feed into Lamp and everything like that. So for now, those, for those listeners who don't know, um, Liberty Middle School is in Madison, Alabama. Yes, and they feed into James Clemens, that's okay. correct. Now, one of the things that might have thrown people off, people like me who look at statistics to try to gauge right. how tough an opponent is, is your scoring system in Alabama. Exactly. Apparently, yeah. there's there's only a, a two-part bonus, and then there's a worksheet. Uh, can you talk a little yeah. bit about what the worksheet is? So the worksheets are generally, they are at, after the first round. And so what the worksheets are, they're generally... 20, they are always 20 questions, but they are generally always organized around a theme or a topic, such as all answers start with the letter A, but it encompasses questions uh, from math, science, literature, pop culture, all of it. But they all start with the letter A, or they all end with the same letter, something like that. They have a theme. Right, um, and apparently uh, there was an issue that Ethan brought up on the forums about salty water. Yeah. Is it brackish or brine? Did you ever get that resolved? Um, no, I don't think that we did. Okay. I mean, it, it didn't matter too much, honestly. You sure. Know, like, I think each uh, question comes down to five points, and regardless, we won the round. So, you know, but um, for the most part, they're very generous with grading answers, especially considering spelling or close things like that, you know. So, and we have had a lot of, uh, so ASCO, which is the Alabama Scholastic Competition Association, have had many discussions on worksheets in uh, our Scholars Bowl slash Quiz Bowl tournaments. Um, we just recently got rid of worksheets at the high school level and moved it more towards the NAQT style. And we have not moved out of it from middle school yet because while I said those three areas generally have very strong Quiz Bowl teams, um, everyone in between doesn't get as much practice or as much tournament time as we do. And so it's an opportunity for some of those teams to be able to get some points, you know, and sure. not just from a vibe. Yeah, that sounds super interesting to me. Um, I definitely see that uh, interesting a lot of players who might not otherwise have direct quiz bowl experience. Like, hey, right. I, I got 15 right. questions right on the worksheet. Now, on that worksheet, are you, is your team allowed to work together or is it individual? Yeah. No, it's all, it's like, so, you know, we get to have up to six players. So all six players get to go up and do the worksheet round together. Okay, but they turn in one worksheet as a team? Correct. See, because I've actually thought about doing something like that as a way to rank teams at tournaments that I host so that I can really fairly put brackets together. Speaking of unfair brackets, uh, would you mind, Jane, talking a little bit about playing Hopkins in round one? I I know Ken and I have talked a little bit about this. Yeah, so so NAQT is supposed to pre-rank the teams better than any of us should be able to. And mm-hmm. um, when when I was looking at, you know, the, the statistics after the fact, and I looked, tried to find who was the highest scoring team in round one that actually lost a game, I saw it was Hopkins. I'm like, whoa, Hopkins, well, who'd they lose to? Whoa, Liberty, what are they right. doing playing in the first round? Um, right. So, yeah, I, did, did that catch your eye too? Or would you just, whoever you're playing, you're just going to beat? Well, okay, so... You know, as soon as we saw who we were playing, you know, you could see the kids stand up straighter, 
Oh, okay. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> and we're, like, uh, we're going up against Hopkins first. And I was like, guys, it's your first round of this tournament regardless, you know. Um, and I said, just play your best, play aggressively, you know. And um, I, it's funny because I <clears throat> just talked to him again yesterday, and I was like, what were your first thoughts? Ethan's quote uh, is, we're dead. Mm. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> but um, after we got the first three toss-ups, I think that's what it went like. I can't remember. And they powered on all of them. I was like, okay, they're playing to win today. And once we got through and I saw how it went, I was very, I was pleasantly surprised and super proud of them. Yeah, I mean, so it's a game that, uh, Liberty goes on to win 505 to 345 against Hopkins, and then they go on a little bit of a streak. Mesa Verde, Emerson A, who I also had ranked in, in my top five, uh, Green Hill, who I know had a great program last year, and then mm-hmm. you you you've, you play Aaron Parsa in right. in the next round. Um, right? How how good is he? He's phenomenal. Yeah. And he's, he's a phenomenal player. He probably should be for, for a couple more years. Um, and, <laughs> yeah, that was the scary thing. It's like, oh, we're going to see him another two years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you, f- you finish the day 6-2. and two, Your other loss coming against Smith A, which is the team that knocked us, um, that knocked Middlesex out. And then yeah. you get to the playoffs, and you go on another long winning streak, including beating Hunter. The, you're the only team that, that beat Hunter. Um, right. So as, as a team that had to play them twice and got, got a, you know, beaten pretty easily twice how did your team do that good question um so that was our round after lunch and I was already somewhat nervous about them you know it's an exhausting game and at that point I can't remember whether that was our fifth or sixth round and after lunch so I was a little nervous and I knew that they had been undefeated up to this point and it's like all right if if we need to pull it together at any point it's got to be right now you know right and um uh did you did you say hopkins or hunter I, oh, i'm sorry I, I said hunter so this is when you and so it looks like you played hunter in round 17 yes. which would have been the yes. third okay. round i'm of the just making sure that we're talking about hunter okay. right and um you know ethan is really good friends with one of the players on the team and she had been coming in and checking in with how our results were and everything like that and ethan i think honestly because he had that friend on that team you know, and he was looking at their stats and things like that. And he was like, look, they don't take a lot of unnecessary risks. Right. They don't buzz in very early. They wait till they're pretty sure with the, with the answer. And, you know, he's very much like, you know, this is our time to play aggressively and power if you can. And that really came into our advantage. Sure. You know? Sure. Yes. Yeah. So you ended up answering 12 of the toss ups to their eight, uh, even though they powered seven of those eight, you know, um, right. and, and they outscored you on the bonus. That was enough to, to put them away. Right. In that round, um, you know. Then later on in the day, you first lost against Churchill. You want to talk about a team that's aggressive? I mean, they they just yes. they were super aggressive. Um, yes. And then you you finished the day by beating, uh, in my mind, the one of the best programs in the country, Longfellow Middle School. Um, which you know, if you want to, can you talk a little bit about that game? Um. Okay. Uh, with Longfellow. I'm trying to remember Longfellow. This was right after. Uh, this was after your loss to Churchill and before your yeah. before okay. your last so, match against Hopkins. Um, honestly, I think the kids were really good uh, about going into that match right after 
you know, they were like, well, okay, we lost one, you know. Right. And uh, they had it set in their mind that they were going to try to uh, revisit them again. And so they just kept it very together. Um, and Longfellow was a great team. But um, I felt like they they did that pretty well. And, and I, was, I was proud of them. They held it together and just wanted to make sure that they – had a chance at one of the top four again. Yeah, I think I think resilience like that is one of the the strongest qualities in yes. in a, yeah. a quizable team that is like that trained and uh, does a lot of local competitions has has played a lot of tournaments together as a unit. They kind of are able to rally each other and bounce back. Um, do you think you yeah. could talk a little bit about the the players that make up your roster? Because you you mentioned earlier that you have um, six person teams in Alabama sometimes, so you had to narrow that down. Yes, absolutely. So my four players, and they were all eighth graders, Yuthi Doss, and I had her as a seventh grader. All, all of them, all four of them, I had since last year, seventh graders. So is your school 7-8? Um, our school until this year was 7-8. This year we opened up to 6-7-8. Oh, good. So, you know, a little bit more on the farm. That's great. Yes, yes, absolutely. So, um, and so Yuthi Doss was my seventh grader. I She was already known in the district as a math genius, hmm. um, and I was desperately looking for a literature player because if you don't have a literature player on your team, you know, you're not going to fare very well, you know, and Yuthi took it upon herself that she wanted to become the literature expert, and she is a monster. She did a great job. Um, Austin Weish is another eighth grader, and he was unique in seventh grade in that he was already super aware, hyper aware of almost all current events, all like senators and elections that were happening. You know, he's kind of like a miniature adult in that way. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and I, I got to say, a lot of the questions at MSNCT this year were current events and uh, it's something that we try to practice a lot. And I know we were beaten to mm-hmm. um, much to the dismay of our other coach, Barbara Ivy. So if you had a kid that was big on current events, that's that's a reason for, to, for, yeah, for success. Yeah. 100%. I mean, he, like, I, that was, that's one of the, the things that I recognize about this team is that they're all essential and they're all good, you know? Um, had we not had any one of them, we would not have had the run that we had, you know? Huh. Um, which is funny because Joshua Wong, he was our math and science person. And at first, you know, he qualified for math nationals as well, which would have been the same weekend. And, uh, we started the school year acknowledging and knowing that he was going to go to math nationals and not scholarship nationals or quizable nationals. Mm-hmm. And at some point he made the decision that he would rather go to quizable nationals uh, because he thought it would be more fun to do it together as a team. Yeah. And that's where Good for he him. wanted to be. And I just screamed and jumped up and down. I was hmm. like, all right, we've got all four of us. That's, you great. Know? that's fantastic. And then last is, uh, is Ethan. And then Ethan, Ethan Sue, uh, who is he's a phenomenal player. So I brought them last year as my second team, uh, knowing, you know, of course, I didn't expect any type of finish from them. I just wanted them to have the experience because, especially being an Alabama team that doesn't play the timed rounds or no bounce back bonuses and playing with powers and eggs, mm-hmm. it's something you've got to experience and know the pace of to know what you're going against. Yeah, but, you know? but that team, so that was your B team last year? That was my uh, 
B team. I can't remember. I think NAQT had gotten them switched up. They were supposed to be my A team, but I think they got, I mean, they were supposed to be my B team, but I think they got registered as my A. I can't remember. Okay. Cause uh, did they make the playoffs last year? They, no, they did not. Okay. Cause it, you had two teams and your B team made the playoffs. And so that must've been your eighth graders then. Yeah. yeah that okay. was, those were my eighth graders. Right. And so last year, teams from Alabama, there was one team, there were two teams that made the playoffs, your, your Liberty B team. And then Monrovia from Huntsville Monrovia. went, yeah, went, went seven and five. They finished 21st and they had wins over, right. uh, Cooper Rowe from Keith country day and, and perennial powerhouses, TH Rogers. But, you know, again, going back to people who just dismiss you cause you're from Alabama, the other Alabama. Alabama schools really just just didn't do much other than four and four. Um, but you know, to to your point about just how pivotal each one of the players was. Listen to this: these were the points per game averages, the points per twenty toss up. Udy mm-hmm. and Joshua each twenty five points per game. Austin twenty six and point six five, and Ethan forty five point eight eight. So when Joshua Rutsky described you guys as well balanced, I mean that doesn't get any more well balanced than that. Really, really nice Absolutely. job, coach. Absolutely. And and I'm going to be quite honest and frank is that we had a very big and rocky beginning at the beginning of the school year because, you know, every quiz bowl player wants to be the best, you know, and especially with Sharath as being kind of like our our little mentor to them. And, you know, Sharath was a one hit wonder. You know, he was a one man show. And so they were modeling. We call them terminators. Men. That's huh? what we call them. Terminators. Yeah, players that play by <laughs> yeah, themselves. That's exactly right. what it was. Yeah. And so they're like all trying to be him. But, you know, and Rutsky kind of caught a squabble that they had on the quiz bowl forum. And it, and he couldn't have said it better is that, you know, you still look at, you know, how often James Coleman's won a state title or anything like that. You know, what, where Sharath always played well as a team, you can go so much further. And we had to really work on that team dynamic. And once they settled into it, man, you know, they were just amazing, you know? So you, you have a luxury that I, I think I read from your school's website that I don't think a lot of other teams have. Uh, you uh, guys you guys meet every day as part of your yep, class day, right? Class. That's awesome. And That's you have incredible. block scheduling, so you have 75 minutes with these kids every day? Absolutely. That's that's. Uh, can you just talk about what you do in that block and, and how that might be a really big advantage for you. Absolutely. With, without a doubt, hands down, I think that's what has ha- helped us become such a consistently solid program. Um, so I get to see them every day for 75 minutes. The way that it is set up is as a nine weeks course with the option, if you're on the competitive team for me to keep you for however long I can keep you, you know, um, so that way I get to see a lot of talent, you know, and I get to see if this is your fit or if you're inter- interested in it and whether or not you try it out. And so what we do every single day, I would say 90% of the time we're able to go over questions. We're able to deconstruct uh, deconstruct the tier of the questions and, like, rank, like, what kind of clues that you know you need a buzz on, things like that. We create dead lists, uh, things that go dead in class. Um they research them and make sure that they don't miss them again. Um, you know, they divvy out into each one of their subject areas and are able to research and answer. They love protobol. Um, they love quiz DB and things like that. So they create questions sometimes just, you know, that helps them 
get on their clues, you know, and we almost every single day play against each other. Does it, is it something that they get graded on? Yes, it is something that they get graded on. Um, considering that it's an elective class, uh, in my mind, I grade them as hard as I want to, but, you know, I give them the breadth of where it is a graded class. And, you know, they have tests, like what their most basic tests, they learned all the world capitals because how many times does a clue come down to you for 10 oh, yeah, points, absolutely. Capital, mm-hmm. whatever. So mm-hmm. they hate me for it, but at some point when they realize, oh, this is super handy, thanks for making us do that, you know. Um, so they'll have tests on world capitals, they have tests on prime ministers, they have tests on presidential terms, things like that, uh, uh, Supreme Court justices and things like that. And, um, you know, for the most part it works out if there is a kid that kind of has um, – a misfit in the class, I suppose. Uh, we find out different ways, alternative assessments, to make sure that they get through. Mm-hmm. Sure, uh, but I can not very often. I can tell you that is a big advantage in w- working in a place where kids are very conscious of their grades, for better or for yes. worse. Um, when things aren't graded, there there just isn't the effort there. Whether right. it's you know quiz bowl or or math class or English class or anything else that they're doing. If there's no grade attached, sometimes they don't put the effort that we would like. I, w- I was going to ask you about uh, how it is that you created the, the great team dynamic that you, you mentioned earlier, because you mentioned that it was a little uh, rockier earlier in the yeah, year. But yeah. is the 75 minutes the answer to that question? Or is there something else that you, some activity well, that you did together as a team? Um, honestly, yeah, I think that 75 minutes is a huge part of it, a little bit of tough love in the beginning, you know, because I told them, you know, if you guys can't work this out, if you guys are going to, you know, try to outbuzz each other and be mean to each other or anything like that, I was like, I simply won't play you. I was like, I don't care how good you are, you know? Um, and so, you know, it was that they, and not only that, do they have me 75 minutes every day as that they I'm an English teacher and they have me for English as well. Mm-hmm. So it's not just we, 75 minutes, it's 150 minutes together every day at least. Awesome. You know, you know, you know it's it's just the strangest thing that English teachers make the best quiz bowl coaches. I don't know if that's a <laughs> yeah, fact or <laughs> documented. It's the strangest thing. But, um, I'm, I'm sorry, my yeah. headphones were off. What, what, what did you just say? <laughs> I, I said it's the strangest <laughs> Imagine a history teacher would be the best quiz bowl. Uh, I was I, I was joking. I was shooting Andrew looks because uh, I'm a math teacher and he knows better. Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> okay, got it. Got so it. okay, so so your school now is uh, six, seven, eight, um, and these these eighth graders, these fourth graders had a wonderful year, and they're off to mm-hmm. high school. Mm-hmm. Tell me about Liberty Middle School uh, in the 2019-2020 season. Oh well, you know, me and my eighth graders were sitting here thinking about it. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, we have a lot of talent to pull from. And how, how big is your school? Our school in our three grades is sitting right under fourteen hundred kids. Oh, that's okay. About. That's that's bigger than Middlesex. Yeah, we're 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 a very large school. We're a big school district. You know, right? Um, so we have fifteen hundred kids. The problem is is what I, what I, in my ideal mind, is that I would have had another coach um, with my sixth graders specifically, um, and I've tried to make sure that they all get some sort of playing experience. Uh, I poured a whole lot of energy into those four that went to MSNCT, um, 
and I was able to give a little bit of energy to my other players, and I'm starting to worry a little bit that maybe I put too much into the four that are leaving and not enough into what's coming up. We have a wonderful uh, science player that's coming up. Uh, he's already a bedrock of next year's competition team, you know. Uh, we might possibly have another player that is a history and geography person. So we are looking at our literature player, and we're looking at our current events player uh, to make sure that that gets rounded out. And we'll see how that goes. Awesome. Ken and I are always talking about how it sometimes seems like the easiest thing that can move from year to year from players who are who are graduating and leaving to go to high school is is mm-hmm. how they study and the, the the means of studying more much yeah. more than the content. It, it's hard to to cram everything into those last couple of weeks of school where the the eighth graders are talking to the seventh graders and saying things like yeah. you got to know this, but it yeah. is a lot easier for them to go. Oh, here's some materials that I studied. Here's websites that I use. Um, so those are really valuable conversations and like I said Sharath was the beginner of that you know at that point by the time he started really working with these kids he was already at least 10th or 11th grade and he had already created curated a sense of resources for himself created lists that he uh, did PowerPoint presentations that he created for himself you know um um, art is always a weakness, I feel like, for a lot of teams. Mm. And so he started there with uh, classic art and, and classical music. And so as he created those materials and my other kids created materials, they are passing them along, and these are resources that they can use. And, I mean, they have the resources. I think we have the means. We have the resources. It's whether or not the stu- individual students have the drive because – those four players that, that just finished fourth at MSNCT, they had it in them. They wanted it. And you know, and that, that's definitely something that we, we've talked about on some of our other episodes where it, that's it's what it takes. When we were talking in our last episode about Jacob from Hunter and what made him uh-huh. such a great player, it wasn't uh, that much that his, his coaching staff did. It was the fact that he had an hour-long train yeah. ride into the city every day and decided to use that time to study. Um, yes, Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and I'm, it's not supposed to be some weird humble brag or anything like that. I mean, I, I can I can develop a quiz bowl player, you know. I can get you acquainted with the game. I can let you know how it works and get, give you tips and strategies. We can figure out how to, if we're at an NEQT tournament, how to use the clock to your advantage, things like that. But becoming one of those top-notch players it's just a passion or a fire deep inside the individual player that they've got to have, you know? Well, Coach, and, I, you know, these, these four, I, I really hope that that they inspire, you know, future Liberty Middle School students because I, I certainly seem like from what you're telling me, they were inspired by how much work you put into it. So um, well, so let's let's hope that uh, it, it continues uh, on down the line. Mm-hmm. I really hope so, too. I really do, and, you know, they're already looking up to them, and they were watching the live stream on Twitch and everything like that and supporting them through it, so... That's great. Ken was on that. (laughs) I'm hoping so, you know. All right. Well, Coach, I really appreciate you sitting down for uh, for a couple minutes, and really congratulations on a fantastic season, and I hope uh, I wish you nothing but success uh, against everybody but Middlesex in the future. I, I I really appreciate it, and it's wonderful to get to talk about them anytime I get a chance to. All right, Coach, take care. You're welcome. Thank you. 
So that was a fantastic interview, Ken. Uh, I know I'm looking forward to talking with more teams like Liberty in the future, but the the big problem with us is that there's not many teams like Liberty. That's uh, no, they. I mean, they're fantastic. And um, so, Andrew, if there is a team that does want to get in touch with us, how can they do that? Uh, they can email us at four uh, ten points at gmail dot com. F O R one zero P O I N T S at gmail dot com. Uh, or Ken, they could always just hit you up on Twitter at at MMS QB coach. Yeah. Um, I got to say the biggest takeaway from that whole interview is the fact that they have a 75 minute time period throughout the day to meet with kids and they get grades. Like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, unfortunately that's become the great motivator, mm-hmm. but it's, it's something that we certainly can't use here at Middlesex. And I'm sure a lot of other teams can't use either. Yeah. But there might be a, a team or a program out there that listening to this feels like that's something they could eventually adapt and use. And if they can, their team is likely to become a perennial powerhouse too. And Ken, a, a funny story. I think it's an interesting coincidence that the uh, the top five teams from MSNCT are also the top five teams that had uh, the most powers in all of their rounds. Uh, Liberty, for example, had 92 powers, which, uh, you know, is the kind of thing that you need to do if you want to... Uh, where, did, where did that rank? So, Ken... Uh, Based on that, I would say that powers are a pretty important uh, part of Quiz Bowl. Uh, and looking at the top five teams from MSNCT, we can see that uh, the correlation is very, very strong between teams that power a lot of questions and teams that end up in the top five uh, to the point where the top five teams, Hunter, Churchill, Hopkins, Liberty, and Longfellow, are also the top five uh, powers. Okay, so so... So Liberty had 92 powers and yes, so, they did. Was, so where, where was that? Was that? So, uh, the, the teams finished one, two, three, four, five, but in terms of powers, it goes one, two, three, five, four. Okay. So, Longfellow so they, had, a so they had the fifth, fifth most powers, yep. um, and finished fourth and yep. Longfellow finished fifth with the fourth most power. I feel so very, one, two and three all, all went the same. Yep. I feel very comfortable saying, uh, the, the team that will win MSNCT next year will have more than a hundred powers. Sure, sure. So I, that's what I would aim for. Uh, speaking of aiming for more powers, uh, I think uh, going to this episode's buzz phrase would be a great idea, Ken. Let's do it. The guys at For 10 Points want to help you answer for 15 points. Power a question with this episode's buzz phrase. This episode's buzz phrase is taken from the U.S. Academic B Nationals Round 1 Toss-Up number 15. A photo taken by this project included an object described as a, quote, moat of dust suspended in a sunbeam, end quote. A recording of human audio and artistic achievement known as the Golden Record was carried by this program's probes. The pale blue dot image was taken by this program's first probe, which is the farthest man-made object from Earth. The question goes on to mention visits to Uranus and Neptune after being launched in 1977, but there are some unmistakable clues in the beginning that should have you buzzing and powering this question about the Voyager missions. The moat of dust suspended in a sunbeam and the pale blue dot both are descriptions of Earth as seen in a photograph taken by Voyager 1 on February 14th 1990. The picture was taken from a distance of 6 billion kilometers. On October 13, 1994, to an audience at Cornell University, 
Carl Sagan said, quote, We succeeded in taking that picture from deep space, and if you look at it, you see a dot. That's here. That's home. That's us. On it, everyone you ever heard of, every human being who ever lived, lived out their lives. The aggregate of all our joys and suffering, thousands of confident religions, ideologies, and economic doctrines, every hunter and forager, every hero and coward, every creator and destroyer of civilizations, every king and peasant, every young couple in love, every hopeful child, every mother and father, every inventor and explorer, every teacher of morals, every corrupt politician, every superstar, every supreme leader, every saint and sinner in the history of our species, live there on a moat of dust suspended in a sunbeam. That wasn't the only connection Dr. Carl Sagan had with the Voyager project. The other clue mentioned at the beginning of the question referenced the golden record. Voyager carries a message for potential extraterrestrial explorers on a 12-inch gold-plated copper disc. It contains sounds and images that were selected to convey what life is like on Earth. So what's to be included? NASA appointed a committee to decide the contents of the golden record. And the chair of that committee was none other than Professor Carl Sagan. According to the NASA website, Dr. Sagan and his associates assembled 115 images and a variety of natural sounds, such as those made by surf, wind, and thunder, birds, whales, and other animals. To this, they added musical selections from different cultures and eras, and spoken greetings by Earth people in 55 languages, and printed messages from President Carter and UN Secretary Waldheim. So, if you hear a question referring to a pale blue dot, a moat of dust, or the golden record, and the identifier is project, take a chance, buzz in, and say Voyager. Thanks, Ken. And we wish everyone the best uh, with their summer voyages, studies, and travels around the country and beyond. Uh, Hopefully no one out there is going to space alone. Maybe bring some records with you. Maybe some questions to read. I I have nothing. I have these puns are terrible. Okay. That's why, that's why we're going to, we're going to end on that note. Uh, So thank you everyone for listening to for 10 points, the best podcast on the web for everything quiz bowl related, whether you're a player, a coach, or just trying to improve. Hopefully we have helped you get better. I'm Andrew Triago signing off for Ken Romeo and see you all next time.